This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Non Air Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week, Natalie, James and Kevin to go over the last game of the season and wrap up the season as a whole. Burnley beaten at Turf Moor on the final day on Sunday. West Ham 2-1 victors at Turf Moor coming from behind. Despite Sam Volts giving Burnley the lead, not a great way to sign off, but I'm sure everyone's delighted that Burnley will be in the Premier League next season. A quick mention as well for for our charity partners, Carrots and Brew, as well. We've been partnering with Carrot and Brew after our Kickstarter campaign. They do mental health awareness campaigns and support group stuff around Burnley fans and meet at the turf, meet at the turf more, meet at turf more regularly. Check out their website at carrotandbrew.org. We'll kick off as usual, talking about the most recent game. West Ham, winners at the turf, then Natalie. Not the best way to sign off, to be honest. I think everyone was hoping for. For another home win to finish off the campaign. Yeah, it would have been nice, wouldn't it? I think it was a very disappointing end to the season at the Turf Moor, Jamie. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it's a really difficult game to assess, really, because it, it, there really wasn't anything to play for apart from the small matter of £2 million for every single place we managed to, to um, finish higher up the table. And at one point when it was 1-1, the way that results were going, we could have finished 13th um, if we'd have just managed to get ourselves a, a, a winning goal. And that's a huge difference just to, to finish another three points up. It's another £6 million quid And it's for, for somebody... For a club like us, who are apparently supposed to also be watching finances again next season, that's that's another player to bring in that we need to, to cover some key positions next season. So I'm disappointed that the season kind of petered out the way it did. Um, it doesn't take away from an absolutely fantastic season. Um, and listeners are going to start screaming at the me I guess from now on but I'm, it's made me it's made me feel a little bit deflated at the end of the season when I should be feeling on top of the world because we stayed up it's, I'm struggling to get that adrenaline buzz that I felt after the Palace game because of the way that the season's petered out really it's quite tough yeah well, we'll come on to talking about the season as a whole um, a bit later Kev you were aware last week but we talked about how the performance at Bournemouth was a bit flat energy levels were a little bit down seemed a bit the same on Sunday at the turf uh, yeah, uh, first of all, I'm happy to see you're, you're, you're introducing the, the, the Turf Moor. Um, <laughs> the campaign starts here. Um, yeah, I think 
the last couple of games have had um, end of end of season end of season feel to them. Um, I think you know there's a couple of sides with nothing nothing to play for, um, and it, it probably really showed. Uh, it's probably the last probably the last three games really um, in the in the West Brom game in 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 certain parts of the first half at least felt uh, a little bit wet um, and not that interesting. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, it was a game. You know, I, I appreciate. You know, we've got this, this two million whatever it is to play for for each position. Uh, the players have got their their bonus to play for, but I, I'm not sure. You know, compared to staying in the Premier League, that it must be quite hard to get to get motivated for that when you've been pushing towards this one ultimate goal all season. You achieve that goal. To then come up and say, um, okay, now we've got another target. It's this extra million, two million quid for our for the, the transfer budget this summer to replace you. Um, I, I just think you've been we've been working towards this one goal. It's very difficult, I guess, to to get motivated to a to a second goal. So it's one of and it's yeah, nobody really. I don't think the, the players would be massively upset to get beat. I don't think any of the fans were massively upset to get beat, um, and it probably showed in their performance. Yeah, one player who has ended the season really well, though, James, is is Sam Volks. I felt on Sunday he benefited from Andre Gray being back in the team. Gray set Volks up, scored again, ends the season with 5-5. Five five. He's probably the one player who wishes there was a few more games to go the way he's playing. Yeah, I think he's, he's finished the season the way he started it, really. He had a good run early on when uh, Andre was out the side of his with his ban and whatnot. And um, I think he's really you know come back into his own... You know, a lot of people were doubting him sort of in the middle of the season when uh, it was Volks and Barnes we were seeing a lot and neither were really seeing much of goal. Um, but he definitely benefited from Gray being back. And to me, it's still baffling that we didn't play that partnership more because, you know, it was so successful last season. Um, you can see that they work well together. They're clearly, you know, good friends on and off the field. Um, and it, it's a great move. It's a great ball in by Gray, and um, you know Volks takes it well. And uh, hopefully, you know, if they both stay, um, you know, assuming we haven't signed, you know, some wonder striker, then we will see a little bit more of the two of them together next season because it's clearly something that works for us. Yeah, I think it, it's one of those things that, looking back, it's it, it's like you say, it's a bit odd that we've just not seen more of what we know is a proven partnership that that works. Um, sticking with, with Volks though, Natalie, he's ending the season with 12 goals in all competitions, top scorer in the team. After what happened in the Premier League last time when he missed most of the season, it's fantastic to see him get a chance and really take it and prove himself at the top level. Isn't it just, it just feels like such a relief for him and it feels like such a good reward for all the hard work he's put in. We all know how down he was after his injury when he missed the start of the Premier League campaign and the end of the of the promotion campaign um the last time around. And we all it was well documented how much he struggled at the beginning. But he, you know, he fought back and he, he got back to full fitness. He's not had touch wood, he's not had any injury problems this season at all. He's done a full season. Fair enough he's not started every game and played every game. You know, Dach has been very much rotating his his strike force on a regular basis. But I'm really pleased for him. And I I think he was the one who perhaps unfairly um people um picked out at the beginning of the season of maybe not being up to Premier League standard but he's proved everybody wrong he's a classic number nine he's strong in the air he can hold up a ball phenomenally well and one of the key skills that I think Volks has got that perhaps the other two strikers don't have is he has a really gift of being able to read the partner he's with so whether he's when there is on his own 
up front in a 4-5-1 and he's, he's looking at the midfield or whether he's in a 4-4-2, especially when he's in a 4-4-2 actually and he's got a strike partner, whether it be Barnes or Gray, he can read that player really well. He knows the runs are going to make. He puts lays balls on for them so perfectly and I think he's I think that's probably his key strength to be honest. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier in the season, Natalie. We were talking about how um, obviously the, the Vings partnership with Danny Ings was so, was so fantastic. Yeah. He had such a, a uh, like an electric partnership and um, the fact that actually that picked up again with Andre Gray it was almost a, an indication that that's it wasn't just look that those two players came together oh, and played right. really well together it, it was the fact that Sam Vokes does have that very strong quality of, of yeah. being able to read the game very well but also read his team very well and, and really He's got that, like, like you said, a really good knack for, Nick for picking up a, a strong partnership and really understanding how his strengths and his weaknesses fit into his partner's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, he started, he's finished the season, sorry, so well. James shared a stat with me that he'd scored five in his last five appearances, and before that in the Premier League, he'd scored five in 55. Which well, is incredible, really. It's like uh, it's like last season because he started last season. Um, he was playing decent, but he wasn't scoring goals at all in the first half of last season. I think we got to around Christmas time, and we were starting to question whether he should be in the team because you know his performances were decent, but he just wasn't scoring those goals. And then all of a sudden, in the second half of the year, he was on fire. He was scoring, you know, probably once every two games. It was it's funny how that how that has, has mirrored itself. And I guess it's probably that, that same thing. But last season, he was he was just starting to get back into his stride after the injury. This season, he's probably taken him uh, a little while to adapt to the Premier League. Um, so both times, he's taken a while to adapt uh, to a, 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 a different or a new or new environment, uh, a new new way of playing um, after, a, after a significant change. But once it has adapted, he's, he's really got a, a lot of uh, confidence, a lot of form behind him. Looking at the, the other end of the pitch, James, we, we've talked about this uh, on the last couple of podcasts, so we don't want to labour the point too much. But again, Burnley a little bit ropey at the back defensively without Ben Mee, Michael Keane, Kevin Long and James Sarkovsky doesn't really look ready for me as a Premier League pairing, although it's very, very new. Um, is it fair to judge them, though, when these games haven't really counted for anything? We've conceded six goals in the three games. It's interesting. I think it's a difficult one. Um, you know, to be honest, you look at it and maybe on, on some accounts, you, you're surprised how well Kevin Long's done. You know, he's not played, uh, well, any football really at this level previously. You know, when he did, he did his cruise ship within 20 minutes. Um, so to come in and, and play the way he has, I think he's he's been impressive at the same time as, you know, showing that the partnerships may be not, not going to be good enough for next season. Um Obviously, it's speculating a lot to say that Ben Mee is going to go as well as as Keane, but I, I think it does sort of show that while um, you know Tarkovsky clearly is a, a good player, I think there's still a little bit of development to be done there for him to sort of step into the role that we've seen from Keane and Mee. Um, and really, in the summer, you'd think you'll be looking for you know at least one centre half who can challenge for the first eleven straight away. Um, as well as maybe another one for backup, just because at the moment it, it does feel like we saw light. Obviously, now we're down to no centre halves in in reserve. Yeah, I mean um, Tarkovsky, I, I thought played quite well with with Ben Mee and with Keane in the cup games, but I think he struggled a little bit with with being the the, the senior partner really in the in the centre back partnership. Obviously, Kevin Long's been at the club longer, but I think Tarkovsky's widely accepted to be a, a, a better player. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it's important to to think about you know Kevin Long <laughs> emerged from nowhere a couple of weeks ago, um, and it's going to be the same next season. He's he's going to be in the same position where he might get one or two games, he might not get any games at all uh, next season. So I think it's quite it's difficult to judge a partnership that is hopefully not going to happen again because I don't, I don't mean that harshly on Kevin Long I think he's coming and done a, a decent job but ideally you want to play with the same the same back two as you played all season which has proved so successful for us um, in the last couple of years with, with Ben Mee and, and Michael Keane so in saying hopefully it doesn't happen again but obviously Kevin Long is going to be nowhere near our, our first choice centre-half uh, next season so you've got to hope that um, if it's Ben Mee and Tarkovsky, if it's Tarkovsky and someone else, if it's Ben Mee or someone else, whatever it is, that that partnership is is solid. And but Kevin Long's going to get again; he's going to be at least fourth choice again. So you're going to hope that we're not going to have two centre centre backs injured at the same time. So I think it's a little bit difficult to judge if this is a partnership that works or how well Tarkovsky's done playing with Kevin Long or how long Kevin Long's done. Um, because at the end of the day, Kevin Long is never ever going to be anywhere near a, a, a regular in our team unless something goes really wrong. Um, that said, it is a bit of a, it has been a bit of a, a litmus test for, for James Tarkovsky. Like I said, he's, he's come in before and he's, he's almost had no pressure before on him really because he's coming in cup games. There's been not but much expectation. He's come in for, um, in midfield a few times. There's been not much expectation now. Like I said, he's coming now and he's been, he's been the main man at the back. He's been there having to support, um, support Kevin Long. Um, I don't think you can say he's done terrible. But similarly, you can't say that he's done fantastically well. Um, so that's interesting. I think the likes of certainly Ben Mee. I think if he played with Ben Mee, that that could that could work quite well because Ben Mee is a is a leader. He's been a he's been a, he's been a, a captain for from from a, from I think pretty much every. I think I read he was a captain for every Man City youth youth level. Um, is I think he's is he our captain, our vice captain. He's been captain. He's captain is quite a few times anyway. Um, so and he's one of those players always talking on the pitch. He's he's always pointing around. He's always telling people what to do. So if Tarkovsky has maybe failed a little bit as being the main the main man in this partnership. Um, there's certainly some promise for them for, there for him being alongside um, being alongside Ben Mee and in the partnership. But also got to remember that obviously Ben Mee and Michael Keane have done so well this season. They've both played um, Premier League football before. They've played in defence. Ben Mee's played uh, pretty much a full season in defence, although it was a, a left back. Michael Keane's played a centre back quite quite a few times in the last. He wasn't a regular in our previous Premier League campaign, but he played, you know he's got quite a bit of experience. Where this is James Tarkovsky's real first um, first real outing in, in defence in the Premier League. So again, it's like, like Sam Vox, it's a it's a learning a learning curve for him. Whereas Sam Vox maybe can get away with not scoring uh, so many goals here and there at the start of the season. For a centre, for a centre back, you've not really got that luxury. Um, you've got to be on top of your game or not. Um, so I think it's a little bit harsh and difficult to judge him, but there are some learnings we can take. We can take from it certainly. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think everyone probably got a little bit carried away with Tarkovsky in the cup games with hindsight. And the flip side is when he's been a bit average for the last couple of games, you then don't want to go overboard with the criticism. It's probably just case that he's just getting used to to what it's like to play more regular I'm sure we will see him more regularly next season whether we do sign a new defender um, or not we'll move on now though to talk about the the season as a whole as Natalie mentioned earlier it's been a bit of a strange end to the season really for Burnley with such 
poor form at the end of the season, really. Uh, the win at Palace was obviously a big pressure-relieving moment with effectively sealing s- survival. But it's only two wins in the last 16 games of the season, James. And the concern for me is that teams that finish a season poorly, they tend to start the next one in a similar vein of form. And Burnley just haven't really had any momentum for the last few weeks. It's been such a flat end to the season. Yeah, no, that's true. You, know, you do see a trend normally that these you know, sides who finish uh, the previous season poorly carry that into next season. Obviously, the reverse is true. We saw with Leicester the season that you know, they looked like they were going down, they recovered, and then next season they went on to win the league. Um, so I think it, it could be concerning that you know we've, we've carried this sort of form into the sun, but at the same time, I think we're going to see so many changes that it's almost going to be like a, a different team coming into the next season. Um but, you know, for sure, it's definitely a concern, um, particularly the way the last two games have went. I think it sort of, um, you know, seems like the season was over. And someone said to me on Twitter, actually, after after this weekend's game, you know, that that we should question whether having the Player of the Year awards last weekend was the, the right decision um, because of how it was affected the players. But to be honest, I thought we looked better this weekend than at Bournemouth, where we looked really off the pace and, and you know, like the the season was over early and Bournemouth looked the same to be honest even though obviously they went on to win um, but it's a little concerning that maybe we've I think part of it is that Dyche has been playing maybe a little bit too safe um, you know he's not really been looking to change the team and maybe try and score more goals uh, you know we've we've kept the same shape every week and you know with a few exceptions it's not really brought us great results so hopefully we, you know we see some changes over the summer and um we, we can sort of set off in the the right direction with the first game and hopefully that should mean that, you know, form carries on that way into the next season. Yeah, I mean, the team for the West Ham game was much more, much closer to what I'd like to see. There was Brady in and Gray was in. I'd have gone with Goodmanson as well, but it's like two of the four changes that I'd wanted to make were made and it didn't seem to make that much difference, uh, to be honest. So I think it's, it's probably just the mentality thing where the season felt like it was it was over. Um, Kevin Burnley finished 16th in the end then obviously it's it's a fantastic achievement to not go down to start with but for me I look at the table and we could have been higher and for me we should have been higher we finished below Swansea who were bottom not that long ago we finished below Palace who finished the season very strongly but were extremely poor for a lot of it those two teams in particular I think we really should have finished above and I've banged this drum a bit this season, but I think you look at the teams from Everton below, we could have been top half if we'd picked up a couple of results elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. We, we certainly could have been. Um, you probably could say that we, we should have been. Um, but to be honest, I, 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 I don't really care. Um, um, I think there's a couple, obviously you get a bit more money for being higher up. You've got that. It's a bit more, um, obviously, the aim of football is to finish as high up the league as possible and as supporters we want to see your team be as successful as possible so there's that um, and I guess you, you could say that being high on the table makes it easier to, uh, to attract players but at the end of the day I like the West Ham game I don't really care um, what we wanted to do this season was stay up we've done that I don't really care how we how we stay up um, what we where exactly where we're finishing the table that, that essentially wasn't isn't massively important to me um, I think what what happens next season um, 
could probably be different next season. We've 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 set a benchmark now uh, to measure ourselves against. And what you really want to be doing in next season is start to say, you know, we, we do want to be doing better than this next season. If we finish 16th again next season, then you can start saying, you know, maybe that's a little bit a little bit disappointing. But for me, um, we want to stay up once we secure safety. It was one of those. It was. It'd be nice to have if we if we could get as high up the table as possible. That was obviously you want that to be the aim. Um, and but ultimately, I it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't think any of us will be when we come into the coming to the first Premier League game next season. None of us will be thinking, oh, but I wish we'd finished 15th or 14th or yeah, I think 10th. What you said earlier though about like the whole point is to try and finish higher. I suppose it it is a bit like being picky to be like oh, well we could have done this we could have done that and survival was the ultimate goal it just feels to me like a little bit of a missed opportunity maybe i know like long term burnley probably as good as it's gonna get is survival in the premier league so it, it's a bit ridiculous to complain about it but i just look at the table and there's so many mediocre teams that we, we could have been a bit better than um it was interesting, Natalie, though. It was a, a bit of a pitch invasion at the end on Sunday. Oh I thought it was a bit God. ridiculous, but it, it shows that people are genuinely thrilled and overjoyed to stay up. Does it? Even though we did Does it a it month really? ago. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that that's why. Burnley fans have a long-standing like tradition. They invade the pitch. <laughs> they invade a pitch for no reason other than it's the last home game of the season. We do it every year. We did it every year in the Championship when we were nowhere near the playoffs. So I, I'm i going to play the, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. I agree with you, though. I think, I think there are fans out there who quite rightly, actually, let me rephrase that. All fans, regardless of how you where you sit with the end of season performance, all fans are absolutely delighted that we stayed up and are absolutely dis- delighted with where we stayed. They would have been delighted if we, sorry, where we finished. They'd have been delighted if we'd have finished seventeenth. We are being picky, I think, wondering about um, whether we could have finished higher. I was definitely in before we started this recording tonight. I was definitely in camp, disappointed at the end of the season. It felt like we'd gone out with a bit of a whimper. And Jamie, you hit the nail on the head to finish below Swansea in particular, who just two games ago, took with two games to go, were having to win to survive. Um, I think it's ludicrous that we end up finishing below them. Um, and I was really deflated. And I said at the opening of this podcast that I was struggling to get that same psyched up feeling that I got after the Palace and that euphoria after the Palace game hearing you and particularly Kevin then talking about where, why you don't care about where we finished is is actually really reassuring and it puts it into perspective that actually it, it is it is a good thing what happened and of course it is we're all delighted I just I'm naturally a very ambitious person in life and I, I'm, I'm quite aggressively ambitious in what I want to achieve in life and I'm I sometimes in I basically attach that kind of aggressive um, ambition to to the teams I support as well. I want Burnley to to do as well as he possibly can, and I'm disappointed when they don't do what I think they could have done. And this season, they could have finished 13th, 14th, 15th, and it would have been a real reward for them for how hard they've worked this season and what the, the, the shift that they've put in. So I think that's where I'm coming from. It's not a case of being negatives before anybody starts sending me that on Twitter because it'll <laughs> drive me insane. It's not a case of, of being concerned. It's not a case of thinking, oh God, you know, we're going to be struggle next season. It's a case of being ambitious for where we want this club to be, what we want to achieve and being disappointed when that, when the, the I guess when they're not rewarded for what they've put in this season. Saying that, 
if you look at a side who have won one game away from home all season and drawn four and have mm. only won two games in the last 16 games of the season, 16th is about where you could expect to finish. And you're actually quite lucky that you had such a strong start at the beginning of the season that you weren't in the bottom three. So yeah. I think putting it into perspective, as much as we, th- it, it's, 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 I guess it's, um, I can't think of the word I'm, I'm thinking of, but it, it's, it, you look at it and you think, well, actually, if you, if you, if you strip it down to the bare bones and you think, yeah, we've had a, an amazing season. Actually, when you look at the stats, we've had about finishing 16th in the Premier League kind of season. So let's, as Kevin rightly said, let's take that as a fantastic achievement. We would have taken finishing 17th. We actually managed to finish one place higher than that. Next season, let's go and make sure we finish 15th and above. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's just Burnley who, start, who finish the season badly after being safe. West Brom are probably the best example of it. They haven't won any of the last nine. They've still finished 10th. Watford lost their last six, I think, quite badly in some cases as well. So um, Burnley had a bit of a dodgy end to the season, but it still could have been worse, uh, to be honest. James, how, how do you feel about the season overall? For me, I'm, I'm glad it's over, to be honest. I'm ready for a rest. Fantastic season, I think, to be honest. Um, you know, you, you got to look at the, the budget we play with compared to other teams. And yeah, it's a little disappointing maybe we didn't, we didn't finish higher. You know, um, I saw that chart that that had days spent in in each position uh, by teams. And obviously we spent a hell of a lot of time around 13th, 14th sort of area. Uh, so it is a little bit disappointing that really we ended up finishing a spot where we didn't really spend that much time of the season. But, um, you know, like I said before, I think we started to play maybe a little bit cautiously, sort of very cautious tactics. Uh, I think you see that in how little Gray was involved towards the end of the season. Um, you know, how we, we wouldn't try four five one again that we had so much success with early in the season. You know, we wouldn't play before. Um, I think we were just trying to make sure we made it to the line and ultimately that maybe cost us a few positions. But um, it's, it's understandable, you know, in the, in the position to to want to sort of be cautious because, you know, people can say, oh, each spot was worth X, extra pounds. But um, obviously the, the most important goal was staying up. Um, and, you know, the, the difference between staying up and going down, that the, the difference in money there is so much bigger than, you know, these individual spots above that. So um, I think as a, you know, a first season back in the Premier League, obviously it's the first time we stayed up. I don't think you can complain too much, but yeah, similarly, sort of glad it's at an end because um, maybe not from my own point of view, but other people's reactions to all the games in the bottom half, you know, worrying we were going to get sucked in, I think was more stressful than my actual opinion on it. So it, it does sort of get a bit tiring towards the end when everyone's looking over the shoulder and, uh, you know, talking about, oh, we're going to get dragged in, this is happening, that's happening. And that was it's... with us being relatively safe for most of us. Yeah. <laughs> so what it would be like if we got a few less points. Uh, exactly. It's, it's, I think it's not always just how you're feeling, it's what you're reading, you know, people being a bit highly strung and concerned and it, it does make it for a bit of a stressful experience where, you know, the beginning of the season when we were winning a lot, it was very laid back in comparison. Yeah, just just to round off, I think um, the the table it's obviously not false at this stage, but we finished six points above the relegation zone and six points off eighth. So on balance, we're mid-table. It's just we're a few places below 
where I, I think we could have been really. I'm not ha- unhappy with where we finished. I just think it could have been a bit better. Um, a couple of specific things we'll talk about as a season overall, and we'll also look ahead to a couple of issues for next season. But before we do that, let's go to Natalie for the last tweet of the week of the season. Tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Indeed, indeed, Clarets, the last tweet of the week for this season. Now, again, it was quite difficult this week to choose one. So I've gone for one who has managed to capture both sides of the argument, which we've just been through. And this week's tweet comes from Becca Stubbs, who says, cracking season but did end with a whimper, really. But what an achievement for everybody in little old Burnley. Proud as punch. Becca, that is so true. Um, a bit of a downer from the West Ham game, but we've got to put it into perspective. Fantastic season overall. And Becca, that won this week's Tweet of the Week. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, in terms of specifics, then, I know we, we talk about Grey quite a lot on the podcast, but um, if, if you're an avid Twitter user like myself, you, you may have seen a... A funny little incident while we're talking about Twitter where someone was having a go at him and saying that his first touch is rubbish. You know, all the usual stuff. And he just told someone to calm down, which I thought was really, really funny. Um, and I'm, I'm glad he responded, James, because you know, the criticism that he gets is just... It's so out of proportion with his performances and what he does for the team. I, I don't think I'll ever understand... Um the criticism that that Gray gets, to be honest, he he's been you know such a such a, a great player for us, not just this season but previous seasons. Uh, well, obviously last season, starting to think he's played for as long as he has. Um, but but this season, you know, the way you think, you know, you look at what he's been through. Obviously, the ban, not to defend him, but his tweets previously were. Really daft, but I, I can't imagine what it's like to have something from that far back be pulled up now and affect what you see probably as your big break. Um, you know, through to obviously the goals he scored over Christmas, like two games, four goals, four huge goals. Like, I'm not going to bother doing the maths now, but where would we be, you know, without those goals? What would it have done actually, even just not looking beyond those games, like without those points, what would it have meant further along? You know the season. What does it do to the yeah, confidence? Exactly. Um, and just the way he's worked. I think he's worked hard all season. And one of the big complaints I see is that he's not a grafter. And I've never heard like a bigger load of absolute bollocks in my life. He grafts every game. He spends all his time chasing the ball down the channels. You know, absolute waste of his time to be honest, because he's not going to get anything from it. Yeah. But he he, he does it. Because that's because that's what the team needs him to do. That's where the ball is, and yeah. you know that's what he um, has to do. One of, one of your bugbears last season was that he kept coming off for the last fifteen minutes when he could have scored more goals. But that's because he's knackered because he spends all game running. I can't understand yeah. when people say he's lazy. He, he he puts so much effort in. I mean, you look at him; he's clearly you know in in great shape. Uh, he, he can you know if he's tired at that stage, it's not because he's been you know walking around. You know he's been putting a shift in all game and. You know, people people say, oh, you know, he's got a bad first touch. Well, he could have whatever first touch he wants as long as the ball goes in there at the end of it, to be honest. I, I couldn't care less. And, you know, you see the goal at Palace, that shows exactly the sort of ball he needs to be playing to, to Andre Gray, something for him to run on to. 
hits it instinctively. That's the sort of player. He's an instinctive striker. He's not going to pick the ball up at halfway line and you know dilly dally through like twelve, you know, six men and finish it off himself after rounding the keeper at twelve yards. That's not the type of player he is. What he likes is to a ball to chase onto, um, you know, and a chance to hit it, a clear sight of goal. And we've just not given him a lot of that this season, so it's really hard to to judge. And you know. The bottom line for me is that you know he scored nine Premier League goals this season in what thirty-two appearances. That's the best part of one in three, I'd say, for his first time at this level. Considering you know where he's come from in his football, it's only a few years ago he's playing at Luton in uh, what's now the National League. Um, you know, I don't think you can expect too much more from from the guy when you know he's had the season he had and he's not started a huge string of games. Yeah, I think it, it's a respectable return for me. He could have he's missed chances. Every striker misses chances, but I don't think there's been games where you've said, "How did Gray not get a hat trick?" He's, he's probably scored about the goals that he should have. Um, it's an interesting one, Gray Kev, because he's only got a year left on his contract. He's not lit the league alight, but there have been a lot of stories linking him with other teams. Do you think he's going to stay? Like for me, all all the stick that he's getting off Burnley fans is possibly going to be a deciding factor yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see him leave purely um, that that stick would be a, a big part of that particularly when you've got people tagging him in in that stick on twitter which is just ludicrous i mean regardless of whether you think uh whatever you think of a player surely you wouldn't make it so they can see that everyone knows i'm not the hugest fan of of George Boyd and Scott Arfield, but I would never in a million years want to, one, um, I'd, I'd never kind of say that, in a, in a, I'd never do anything negative towards them in a stadium where they can uh, pick up on that. And secondly, I would never kind of write that in a, tag them in the tweets so they can see it. It's almost like, it's like going up to a, going up to a player after the match and saying, I think you're awful, you're rubbish, get lost. <laughs> it's just, it's just bizarre. I don't know why anyone would do that. And then, but when they complain that, that person is maybe not playing well. Well, what do you expect? You've just told them you hate them, they're rubbish. <laughs> it's bizarre. So, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you left on that reason. I'm not surprised, though, by um, by reported interest in him. I think he's done reasonably well considering the um, the circumstances he played in, but he's not particularly had any, any runs of football. Uh, the style of football he played has been the total opposite of what we need to be playing for, for to get the best out of him. Um, of course, he's got some very raw areas to his game, but you've got to remember where he's come from. And you look at his career trajectory, I can't say that word, trajectory of the last few years, and he's, he's, he's consistently learned, he's consistently improved, he's consistently stepped up. And considering that, considering his age, considering that he has had a decent impact this season, despite everything going against him, um, I think there's certainly a lot of encouragement. I don't think any team is going to be buying him thinking he's the finished product. I think teams are going to be looking at him thinking, this is a player who you look at everything, everything around him and there's a good chance that he's going to get better and better and become a good Premier League player. Um, and I fully believe that and I very, very much hope he's at Turf Moor next season and beyond. Yeah, I, I think he can get 15 goals, 15 league goals a season in the Premier League. If he gets the right service and plays enough games, I think that's, that's realistic. Um, Natalie, there are there are plenty of fans who would be quite happy for him to go. Um what I say to that is, who would you get instead? We've only got three strikers. Bonds and Volts, we keep saying a similar-ish. Volts is probably more of a goal scorer. Uh, Volts and Barnes hasn't been massively successful as a pairing. So 
you sell Andre Gray, you've then got two strikers. You're going to have to yeah. bring two in. I don't know how much money people think we're going to spend this season, but we're oh, not going to be spending fortunes on strikers, surely. Well, I think we've talked in the past about uh, strikers being an area where we need to strengthen in the summer if we want to do improve if we want to stay in the league next season and improve on that 16th finish. Um, I think even if Andre if Andre stays, I think we need to be looking at two strikers. If he goes and we're essentially left with with uh, Vaux and, and Barnes as our strike force for the Premier League, we've, we're in dire straits. And, and I really don't understand who these these uh, fans think we're going to bring in. I think just well, I don't. I, I'm honestly I'm baffled with it, and I, I can't really say anything other than what you guys have already said in, in the argument for. Um, sorry, the argument against getting on, on Gray's back. But to get a Premier League striker who does all of those things that they perceive Andre not doing costs a significant amount of money, costs £40, £50 million, pounds, which we don't have. And even if we did have it, those players aren't coming to Burnley because they don't see us as um, a long-term Premier League. You know, they're looking for Champions League football. They're looking for at least UEFA football, uh, sorry, European Cup football. So it's it's ridiculous. I don't... I'm kind of lost for words. This isn't my most eloquent section on because I, I genuinely don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. We, we're not going to be able to pl- replace Andrea. We've did, we've done really well to get him for. It was about six million we got him for in the end. As soon as I said that, then I was like, oh god, no! Now I remember <laughs> where that started. The, uh, Sixty-five million pounds that we spent, <laughs> but. But yeah, we, you know, if we can get the right service to him from midfield and we can start creating chances for him, we've potentially got an absolutely fantastic Premier League striker who can st- score 15 goals a season for £6 million, who we will at some point sell for an enormous profit. It's like, what, what is going on? It's big. Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's awful. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I have nothing to say to you all. I want, what I will say though is seriously, you any any listeners out there who feel and have got really coherent and really sensible arguments for why Andre Gray should be sold, please tweet me and let's discuss it because I would be delighted to hear exactly what you what you think and why you think it. Yeah, and tell tell us as well who you yeah, please do. who you want us to sign because that that's the main question for me. If you want Gray gone, who do you think we could get that would be better and is realistic? Um because I think we will invest this summer, but I don't think Strikers is is Strikers are so expensive. I don't think we're going to spend an awful lot of money on strikers. Um, talking about the summer then, Kev, I think despite the club being very bullish about the Michael Keane situation, there's no pressure to sell all this stuff. Everyone knows that Michael Keane is going to be sold. Um, Tom Heaton, though, has been quite clear that he's very happy at the club. He's not looking for a move. Do you think Gray, Keane, DeFore are the three obvious outgoings? Yeah, obviously we'll. It'd be a massive shock if Defoe and Keane are are Burnley players next season. Um, I think they're the only two real real certs. I think similarly would be no big surprise if the likes of Scott Arfield and George Boyd um, left this summer. I'm not sure if both of them leave. Um, it'd be interesting to see what what happens there. Uh, Boyd's still out of contracts, isn't he? There's been no word on on Boyd's yeah. contract yet. Yeah, I think there was a report that we'd offered him one year. Um, but he wanted to, so we don't know. We don't know if that was true, and we don't know what's happened since then. So I think it would be interesting. I think I would be surprised if we both go because I think we are both um, quite similar players who can both play on either side, and we both. You don't want to overhaul the squad too much either. And, no, and so. no, and I think we do have a certain quality to them that 
can be can be useful in certain in certain um, in certain in a certain game and a certain situation. Which um, it's actually almost it's quite a, a unique quality. Really, there's not many players like um, like them around. So I think they are valuable to have at least one of them in the squad. Uh, I don't think they'll be starting uh, games like they have done this season. But I think it would be valuable to have at least one of them in the squad. But I, I would I would expect at least one of them one one of, one of them to leave. Um, couple. Um, I think that's that's. I, I do expect um, Ben, me, Tom Heaton, and, and Andre Gray to be to be Burnley players next season. Um, they certainly could go. Uh, you wouldn't be massively surprised if they did go, but I I would expect them to be uh, to be Burnley players. So I think Keen um, Keen Defoe are the only really guaranteed to first team players to go that we really need to replace. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see to see what what happens now because I think they're they're almost kind of certain to go purely because they they will go but whatever else happens in terms of incomings and outgoings uh will be quite indicative of what Sean Dyche wants to do with the team and um whether he wants to bring in some more creative players in the midfield if he wants to bring more uh creative striker or what he wants to do so it's going to be interesting because there's a couple of there's, there's only really Michael because he's not he doesn't need to replace Stephen Defoe because he's not been playing so there's only really Michael Keane that he's going to have to replace at this stage so anything else we do is is almost got a free reign almost to to really shape the squad rather than having to reshape the squad and react to things. Yeah, it's certainly an opportunity to to do something a bit different. The the maybe slight concern for me is that he doubles down on what James has been talking about, the slightly more cautious approach and just the sort of belt and braces type plays. They just don't offer that creativity. You say that Defoe doesn't need to be replaced because he's not been playing, but I was looking at the stats early for something else and I think he started 19 games in all competitions this season and we won 10 of them. Um, so the second half of the season when he's, he's had time out injured and then he's not been playing the last few weeks is when we've not been winning any games. <laughs> Earlier in the season when Defoe was playing more often, we were winning games. And to have a, a win ratio as an individual of more than 50%, um, that includes a couple of cup games, but he didn't play in either of the cup defeats to Lincoln or Accrington, which is maybe a sign as well. So I think he absolutely does need replacing. We need to sign, maybe not a player of his reputation and quality, but certainly someone who can unpick the defence and make a difference. Um, James, in terms of other incomings, we've talked about replacing Keane, but what other areas of the squad would you like to see us add to in the summer? Uh, I think we're going to obviously need to see um, maybe another two central midfielders. Um, assuming both Arfield and Boyd go, maybe another two or three wingers. Uh, assuming Gray stays, at least one more striker, if not two. Uh, two centre-halves. Anything else, Birdie? You're right. You're You probably need another left back as well, don't you? To be honest, because Flanagan, Flanagan's going to go back. Robert, so yeah, you assume we're going to try and sign a left back. Yeah, you know, obviously Flanagan's going to go. I think he's going to sign Flanagan. You know. Dear God. I know. But I think Wash your mouth out. I bet you anything. I'll, I'll say, no, I'm not going to bet you anything, but I've got a feeling he's going to sign Flanagan. <laughs> Don't remind us that your Bamford bet's gone that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> no, okay. No, 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 sorry. Sorry, listeners. We, we're breaking up here. Can't hear anything. Nothing to see here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. The, the more you say it, I, I mean, those are ideals. Obviously, we're probably not going to sign 
multiples in every position. But uh, if we could take one at least in all of those positions, then yeah, four, five, six bodies. I, I think would you'd have to expect the, it's quality, the bare minimum. It's quality, not quantity, that you'd be looking for. I'd rather have signed five players who were going to make a difference. It is, yeah. I mean, who are just going to be like making up the numbers. In that, when I'm saying two, you know, I'm probably saying really one to challenge for the first team now, and then you're probably looking at, you know, someone who can yeah, maybe, uh, you know, yeah. a bit of youth, maybe a diamond in the rough sort of thing. You know, kind of like uh, Goodmanson was really, because, you know, while he has done well when he's been fit, I wouldn't say he was a, a banker to be a, a good performer in the Premier League. You know, he'd just been relegated with Charlton. Um, you know, you were putting quite a lot of faith in him to, to make that step up. Um, so maybe a few more signings like that and obviously a few more along the lines of Brady, Hendrick who you know are, are players who maybe are you know in the top few in their position in the championship but should be looking to push on at this stage of their career and, and see if they can cut it in the Premier League as well Yeah, I, I, I know um, some of our listeners, I'm thinking specifically of Andy Devaney, not a fan of uh, speculation I love speculation and it's my last podcast, so I'm going to do some. <laughs> you never want to sign too many players, Natalie, who've been relegated with other clubs because it's. I think you get into that mindset of being relegated all the time. It's not great for me, but realistically, they're the sort of clubs that Burnley can maybe cherry-pick the better players for. So I think um, from Hull, I really like Harry Maguire, the centre-back. He'd be like top of my list for replacing Michael Keane. I like Robertson, the left-back. I think he might go somewhere better. And I really like Sam Klukas, versatile midfielder, play virtually anywhere, run all day. I think he's a very dash player. Klukas would be really, really high up my list. Maybe Ben Gibson from Borough. I think he had a really good season. Any individuals stood out for you as as possible signings? Putting you right on the spot. Um, To the two, well, certainly Ben Gibson for me was one that I was was looking at. I, I don't think I've thought of any other than the ones that you listed there. Um, I think a couple for me um, from the championship I was looking, I think Forestier now, um, Chef Wednesday, Har, um, consigned to championship again next season. He will be one to look at. Um, I quite like him. Um, I really, really want, there's no way we we're going to get him, but I've always wanted... Um, is it knockout from from Brighton? But there's just no way he's going to leave Brighton. I think if they were, um, if they'd have not gone up, then I'd have looked at him. But it's it's really difficult to be honest. There's, it. I just don't know who we're in the market for. I think that makes it really difficult to try and pick players and specific areas and players who can come in and fill those areas as well because. It, it, we don't know yet what what Deitch's budget is. We don't know what players he wants to bring in. We don't know what positions he wants to fill. We don't know, like you say, whether he's going to go for numbers of quality. Um, and so it's, it's it's quite a difficult one, really. I, I'm not. I just I just don't know what Deitch is going to do. I don't know if he's going to stay the same as he is. So we're looking at the kind of grafter style players and the ones who work hard, who might not necessarily be um, particularly flair players. People like Westwood who, who came in, who I've got to say has done a fantastic job since he he took over from Joey in the centre. Apart from on Sunday, which we didn't have yeah. to mention, but absolutely should have been sent off. Yeah, he should. <laughs> uh, I think I'm kind of writing off Sunday on the basis that it, it was it was a nothing game. But, yeah, but on the whole, he's done all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's ignore that one. 
one. But he's, do you know what I mean? He's that kind of player. Somebody who's come in and it's not necessarily um, fireworks and, 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 and amazing flair, but will just work hard. Or it's whether or not Dash is going to be a little bit braver next year and maybe reduce the ratio. I've said before, the, the ratio of a team, you, you can't have 11 grafters on a side. You're going to go down in this league. You've got to have some creativity and you've got to have some flair there. So if Dash is brave with his decisions and um, he goes for maybe a ratio of about eight grafters to three flair, flair players, then that, again, changes the dynamic of who you want to bring in. So I'm sorry, that's a bit of a cop-out answer. Um, just for two reasons. One, I didn't have anybody other than those that you'd already mentioned that I wanted to see coming apart from maybe Forestier. Um, Will Hughes as well uh, from Derby. I still, I'm still a massive fan of his. But you know, as each like year, no, I don't either. Um, the only thing that worries me about those two, those two players particularly, is that they've been looking, they've been pinpointed as potential moves to Premier League for for a few years now. And as each season goes on, they're they're getting a little bit older. They're not getting the the bigger games that they would use. So it's whether or not the quality is still there. But um, so yes, sorry, as I was saying, I, I don't. I don't have anybody on my list other than the ones you mentioned. And also, I'm not yet sure what market we're in for. Yeah, it, it's difficult. Um, in terms of budget, Kev, assuming Keane goes for, I think, 20 millions, like bottom end of the scale, that's going to be a good starting point. Um, we spent quite a lot this season, so you'd assume we'd spend the same again on top of that. What did we spend this season in the end? 30 million, 40 million? Uh, something like that. I, th- I think we'd probably sp- maybe spend maybe around the same, even potentially maybe a little bit less. I don't know. You you, you, c- you could be one of those where you know we get we take that one big one big leap to get us up to Premier League standard, and and from now on it's a little bit more. Uh, this season it's a bit more just tweaking that, and just um, we, you could almost say that we we needed to spend a lot last season because we we didn't have that Premier League quality where you can now say. You know, we've got a bit more Premier League quality now. We can just make those smaller adjustments. So um, I'm not saying that's what we're going to do or what we should do. I'm just saying that's potentially, that's potentially one way of uh, how, how a club might look at it. I would expect us to maybe spend a, a similarish amount, particularly um, particularly with, with Keane with Keen going for a, for a significant amount. Um, you know, I think we, we do, we're not screaming out for desperately for lots of additions but I think we certainly do need to strengthen in several uh, key areas in the squad so to do that effectively you, we are going to have to spend um, by a, a few a couple of players at least in the um, kind of the Brady and the Hendrick uh, mole in terms of finances so my yeah there are a couple of ways of looking at it we could we could spend significantly less and just go for one or two big signings and a couple more tweaks here and there but i would, I would my suspicion is we would probably spend around the same i can't see us um spending lots and lots of money and significantly spending uh, higher than we've done this season i expect it's probably going to be somewhere around the same yeah i think net spend will probably be about the same i think uh, if you take the, the key money into account um, just lastly, we'll come to you then, James. Any individuals on your shopping list? Not really, to be honest. Uh, it's I'm difficult. Really... I mean, a lot of Burnley fans only really watch Burnley, so... Yeah, I'm also not really one for... I mean, I like speculating about what positions we'll buy, but I don't really like putting putting targets to it. I know a lot of people are still going about, we'll go back for, for Stevens. Obviously, I think he's out of contract, isn't he? So, but potentially that's one. But I've also heard people say, oh, we'll go for Lansbury again. It's like, Christ, I, 
Oh, there's some that I think we, we just need to to leave leave in the past, don't we? I think if Swansea had gone down, I would have said I'd, I'd have Jack Cork, um, which is despite the fact I absolutely despise suggesting signing former players because um, it's normally a bad idea. Every time Jay Rodriguez goes and scores and everyone's like, bring him home, bring him home. Like, no, he's scoring goals for Southampton. I'm pretty sure they'll keep him. But also, like, how often do you see players coming back work out yeah you know, i saw best. someone on um our facebook i think talking about danny ings like he's not kicked the ball for about three years like maybe leave the lad alone to get fit <laughs> yeah it's, so it, it's it's difficult but you know you, there's a few good players who uh obviously are going down in, in the summer and uh you know that there's probably one or two there worth looking at but at the same time like you said do you want to pick up someone who's you know, ended the season on a downer when we've also ended the season in a bit of a, a downturn. And, you know, will that combine with our form to mean actually these changes just give us a side that's still used to, to losing more often than winning? Um, it's, it's not always been like that, though. If I look like we got Tom Heaton from a Bristol side who'd just been relegated. And look how successful has that been. Well, we so, did. You know, it can work. Goodmanson came from... Charlton True. And, yeah, know, he was good. A, a big yeah. step up, but there's there's a lot of players out there, I think, and uh, but I'd also like to see us maybe play the foreign market a little bit more. Um, obviously, we've previously not had great success, but the, just the cost of British players now. You know, if Defoe was British, he would have cost us a, a damn sight more than he did. Um, and I think you know, when you're a team like us, who you know we have the budget we have, you do need to try and you know. Uh, get a good buy everywhere you can and, and we can't probably go around and keep splashing you know the 10 13 millions that we have on Hendrick and, and Brady um, you know for every position in the side whereas if you could get you know a foreigner who's the you know equivalent level of a Hendrick or Brady for half the price then obviously your money goes a lot further yeah, I'll tell you what I'd like. To, I'd like to see us add some more top-flight experience. Maybe someone who's been around the block a bit, coming towards the end of his career. Just give us a couple of years. We've been there and done it. Um, obviously not him because he'd be far too expensive. But someone like Pablo Zabaleta, who's got a lot of Premier League experience. That's probably also another one, maybe for the the, the strikers' position. Obviously, we've seen previously Kevin Phillips. Obviously, did it for a few years. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you could get something in a similar mould, like not necessarily starting every game, but someone who can come give you 20, 30 minutes off the bench and give you that bit of experience and maybe come up with some you know, crucial goals. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting summer. I think there should be good money available to Dash, especially when you factor in the keen fee. Um, and I think it's going to be an opportunity for him to, to reshape the squad and it's going to be very interesting to see what he decides to do with all that money because I think his bigger budget buys haven't always worked out for the best. And I, I suspect he's maybe better when he doesn't have that much money to spend. Um, but we'll have to see on that one. We're coming towards the end of the podcast, but we should wrap up the predictions league. It was all to play for, sort of, last week, Kev. I don't want to do this feature. I was <laughs> like so a, happy when we went 1-0 up. It's like a discarded play thing. Well, why were you so happy when you went, we went one 0 up? Because Cause I, I told I, you, but I told I, you they were going to score. I told you they were going to score. 
Well, I was right. But you know what's really gutting as well? I I was if I'd have done reverse psychology, which I was debating last week's show, whether to do reverse psychology or predict the win, I was going for a two one defeat. Yeah, you know, if if I'd if I'd got a Euro million ticket on Friday, I'd tell you I was gonna go for the winning numbers. Predictions, predictions, it's the prediction week. Yes, well, it was a return to it was a return to form for the No and the Never Predictions League, um, but we all got it wrong. Which is, uh, it's been a while. It's been a, we we had a good spell in the middle of a season when we all got it wrong every week, and uh, it's been a while since that happened. Even Natalie scored points last week, which is uh, hey. remarkable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, in fact, we all we all went for Burnley wins. Um, it didn't happen, um, which meant it was it, it was a decisive game as well because there was. Uh, at one point in it, uh, at the bottom two between James and Natalie, so it could have it could have changed everything. We we James was a uh, James was second place for a, a good proportion of the I'd say you know the first first few games of the of the predictions league, and it was for for a while it was looking like me and James were quite quite a while ahead, and then Jamie Jamie stormed ahead, and then Natalie started to storm ahead relatively as well. Um, so it, it was almost going to be one of us where. <laughs> It's about as relative as you can get. <laughs> there was a threat that James, who's been bragging uh, all last, all season, <sighs> and teasing Natalie all season about her forfeit, it was almost the case that he was going to have to do a forfeit himself. Alas, it didn't happen. Natalie got it wrong. <laughs> I which so meant... wanted to knock him off his perch. I wanted him to finish one. <laughs> with, um, with zero points available to play for, there's a one-point gap between the bottom two, which meant Natalie... Has come, but obviously we all know that I won the, the league ages ago. Um, oh really? Kind of you never mentioned it, Kev. <laughs> Breaking <Really>? news. <laughs> uh, but Natalie has officially—I can't believe oh. it's taken until now—but Natalie oh, is officially God. bottom of the Northern Ever Predictions League this season. So does that mean she that gets means... relegated and, and kicked, <laughs> kicked out? Of the <laughs> Shut up, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no, she gets kicked off the podcast. That's it. We've was, there's no more Natalie. So um, oh, it's been okay. nice. <laughs> No, but that means that Natalie has got a forfeit to come up. So uh, this is where this is where I want you listeners to come in. So please get in touch, tweet us uh, with your forfeit ideas. Send us an email to podcast at known and ever with your forfeit ideas. Comment on the on the podcast on the website with your forfeit ideas. We want to know what you are. We really doing this? We are, are we really, really asking this? our listeners to give me a forfeit. Whose idea this... was the forfeit? Whose idea was it? <laughs> I don't remember anything about a forfeit. I think you're making this up. <laughs> we want to know. We want to know what you want Natalie to do. So yeah, please get in touch and keep uh... it clean, guys. Keep it clean. Thank you. Definitely vote <laughs> for for Brommer's singing. My heart oh, will go on. Oh, that's an awful forfeit. <laughs> Great forfeit, great forfeit. It's all over. I've won. Natalie's bottom, and I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, your suggestions. I don't mind coming second because, as everyone remembers from school, first the worst, second the best. So I'm the best. Oh, well done. I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> Awkward silence. Yeah, that's everyone's like, oh. I'm not just made that up. It sounds like I made it up, but I didn't. Okay, I, I do think you made that up. But... <laughs> anyway, I'm very excited to see what, what you come up with for, for Natalie's forfeit, but this is the end of the podcast now, and it's the end of my last podcast, so thanks to everyone who's supported No Name Ever. The last seven years that I've been involved with No Name Ever, I'm sure the, the remaining members of the group will continue to do a fine job moving forward, but this is it for me. I'm saying goodbye. 
someone else can do the outro because I don't know if I can do doing a goodbye again. Awkward silence again. <laughs> Come on, Jamie. One last time. It doesn't. It doesn't work without you, Jamie. That's it. None of us. No, no one else can do it. No, <laughs> Someone's gonna it. have to do it next season. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just never. We're just never gonna end the podcast. Just... I hope just gonna keep talking and talking. Just, just end talking. with silence. No, just silence. Come on, right. Jamie. One last time. Here we go. This is it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so thanks for everyone who's listened all these years it's been an absolute pleasure thanks to James, Natalie and Kevin who've joined me this has been the No Name Ever podcast I've been Jamie Smith goodbye Woo! oh my god I'm really emotional I might cry <laughs> <laughs> Jamie that's it been <laughs> all over oh my god Jamie that's it it's finished that's it days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.